Well, thank you so much for joining us here at Bell Shoals today. My name is Corey Abney. I serve as a lead pastor. And for those of you with us here at our Brandon campus and those of you tuning in online, so great uh, to celebrate the goodness of God together. And I've been very, very excited about this teaching series. Actually, we'll wrap up today called Words Matter. We've been looking at the power of words. And, you know, we have seen, if you've been tracking with us, uh, some pretty shocking truths about the power of the words that we use. In fact, much of what the Bible teaches about the power of, of words reminds me of an old driver's ed film that perhaps some of you watched in your driver's ed training years ago. The film is entitled Signal 30. Does anybody remember that? Signal 30. It's a well-known driver's ed training video that is famous because of the blood and the gore in it. It's a driver's ed video with an old school take that's designed to shock teenagers into driving well. (laughs) And it has bodies and brains and all kinds of stuff in it to try to shock the 16-year-old into driving carefully. It's kind of a shock and awe tactic. In fact, you can go on YouTube now because you know everything is on YouTube and you can watch Signal 30. But I have to warn you, it is definitely graphic in places. One of the comments on the YouTube page where I saw Signal 30 said this. I assume this is from a a parent now. says, I remember seeing this one in Driver's Ed. Most movies will have lighter moments in it that will get a few chuckles, but our class was absolutely silent during and after watching this. It definitely made an impression on me. And then I love this comment. They wouldn't show it today because some parent would be sued for traumatizing their child. (laughs) And then this commenter concluded, too bad, maybe more teens need to be traumatized in this way. I don't know if you've ever seen a kind of shock and awe tactic like Signal 30, you know, where it's not just, okay, here's how you drive. It's, it's like, okay, here's what happens when you drive carelessly. And there's like a, a, a tactic there, a strategy there to shock you into being careful. Well, what we've seen in this series called Words Matter is that the Bible has some pretty shocking things to say to us about the power of the tongue. Like, it's pretty cool as we've surveyed the Proverbs and even some other passages of of the Bible, like we've seen there's some pretty in-your-face, shocking kind of truths about the power of our words to this end. It it should lead all of us to be a little bit more careful. (laughs) That's the goal here. The, The goal is that we should be a little more careful with the words that we use because they can have a tremendous impact either for good or for bad. We've seen in this teaching series that we should use our words to build up, that our words can be used to inform, injure, or inspire. We've seen that given the amount of words that we use on a daily and a weekly basis, it's important that we do more hushing up, that our words can often get us into trouble. And where there's an abundance of talking, there's an abundance of trouble. Last week, we actually talked about how when we use our words, we should speak up when it involves the character inside of us, the world around us, 
or the hope that's within us. There are times we should speak up and use our words strategically and wisely. And today as we conclude our series, I want us to think about the value of cleaning up. And and the fact that all of these scriptures we've examined and all of these truths that are somewhat in our faces on the power of words, how, how they should motivate us to clean up our words because let me give you a simple truth today that I think is so powerful that controlling your life absolutely hinges on controlling your words. That's a big statement. That's a signal 30 driver's ed kind of statement. Think about this. Controlling your life hinges on controlling your words. So often we think about our lives in terms of what we do, what we have to do, what we're going to do. We don't think enough about life being impacted in terms of its trajectory, not just by what we do, but by what we say. You see, controlling your life as I want to remind you today, absolutely hinges on controlling your words. There's that level of impact with the words that we use. And what the Bible is presenting to us is, is, is a template of truth that should in some way traumatize us and lead us to be a lot more careful with the words that we use. Let me give you an example. Proverbs 18:7. Again, this series has really been built out on the Proverbs. Let me give you one of my favorite Proverbs here that we haven't looked at yet that relates to the power of words. Are you ready? The mouths of fools are their ruin. Not the actions of fools, although that certainly can be true. The mouths of fools are their ruin and they trap themselves with their lips. You say, can my words really affect my life? Can the, can the trajectory of my words impact the trajectory of my life? Can it affect my career? Can it affect my family? Can they have, yes. Controlling your life hinges on controlling your words and it's the mouths of fools that are their ruin. Let me show you what else the scripture teaches us about. Here's, let me widen this a little bit out of the Proverbs. Ecclesiastes 5, do not make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are on earth. And so let your words be few. Don't say too much. Don't promise too much. God, if you'll just do X, Y, and Z, I promise I'll do X, Y, and Z because normally when we make promises to God, we might get to X, but we rarely get to Y or Z. I love the Ecclesiastes statement here, let your words be few. Let me go to the Proverbs of the New Testament, if you will, James. Let's look at James chapter one. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Then he later says in chapter one, if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Look at that statement. If you say that you are a religious person, in our context, we would say you're a Christ follower. If you say you're a lover of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, that's all well and good. But, But if you can't control the words coming out of your mouth, James says your religion is absolutely worthless. Because controlling your life hinges on controlling your words. And I wanna take a little deeper dive today on what James says and really a foundational teaching about the power of the tongue. And you'll see here echoes from the Proverbs that James really gives us a few analogies that I think show us 
the importance of trajectory with our words. Look at what he says in chapter three. He says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. So we all, we all mess up at times, but if we could just control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Now that's a huge statement. But it's a statement inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it's true. If we could control our words, we would be perfect and we could control the trajectory of our lives. We could control ourselves in every other way. And then he gives us some analogies. Check this out. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. Not just your conversations, your life. For it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all sorts of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and then sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of our Father. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, brothers and sisters, this is not right. No, it's not right. We all struggle here. Because controlling your life hinges on controlling your words. And so in order to clean up your life, my encouragement is to start by cleaning up your words. Again, this is an in-your-face, shocking, kind of traumatic kind of teaching here. You can see that the Bible makes no bones about this. I mean, the Bible says, hey, listen, it's a fool that ruins his entire life by his mouth. The, the scripture says, let your words be few, that you should be quick to listen, slow to speak. We've seen some upfront, in-your-face kind of truths here because the trajectory of your life is impacted by the words that we use. And James highlights three ways that our tongues threaten not just our conversations, but our lives, all right? Check this out. First of all, I want you to see that the tongue can detour your direction. Your tongue can detour your direction, the entire direction of your life. James says, again, we all make many mistakes, but if we could just control our tongues, we could control ourselves in every other way. Do you realize that your words can detour the entire direction of your life, your career, your marriage, your family, your friendships? You see, words are powerful and they shape many things about us, our confidence, our self-image, our self-esteem. Think about the power of words just in how you perceive yourself, how you think about yourself. Think about the sting of someone saying something to you that's hurtful to you. Maybe something that someone said decades ago, but you still carry with you. Words affect how you see yourself, how you see the world. And they shape our direction so that he's helping us to understand here that by controlling our words, literally we will control the direction of our lives. And then he gives us these examples of a bit in a horse's mouth and a little rudder on the back of a ship. Years ago, I had the opportunity to, to know a, a jockey who raced regularly at Churchill Downs and, and really at all... Uh, the finest racetracks across the country. 
Uh, his, his son was uh, on a soccer team that I coached. It's a great, great family, loved the Lord and a, a really, really fascinating uh, situation. And, 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 and you know, <laughs> this will not surprise you. His son was not the tallest member of the soccer team. <laughs> he, he wasn't the guy on the back of the defensive line. No, he was a forward and he was fast and he was quick. And his father was all about, I don't know, five foot three or so. And he weighed about 27 pounds, it seemed. And uh, he was a very successful jockey. And you know, it was amazing. I got to know them, their family. So again, amazing, amazing people. But you know, you could just picture that guy and I got to be with him you know, and see him. And, and then standing next to a thoroughbred racehorse. Do you realize how large a thoroughbred racehorse is? A thoroughbred racehorse stands over six feet tall, weighs over a thousand pounds, and the average elite thoroughbred racehorse has a stride in between 24 and 26 feet and can run over 40 miles an hour. That, that is incredible. I don't know a lot about horse racing. I lived in Louisville. That's about as much as I know. But I know this, the average jockey is about five foot three and they have to be about 113, 114 pounds. And you take that little jockey and you put him on top of that incredible horse and guess what? The jockey wins. Why? Because there's one little metal bit in the mouth. That's it. 40 miles an hour, outweighed by nearly a thousand pounds and the jockey wins. It's not rocket science. We know this to be true. We understand these examples of what James is teaching us. That, 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 listen, we can tame just about anything. Hey, I, I, I loved as a kid. I remember driving down, going to SeaWorld. You remember, you remember the people, I don't, even, I don't know if they still do this, but you know, the people who would like come out of the water standing up on a whale's mouth or snout, you know those people? I wanna, here's when I see that, you know what I wanna know? Who was the first person to try that? And are they still with us today? (laughs) I mean, you just think about how we tame animals. I mean, you think about what we're able to do and James is saying we can do all of these things, but, but we haven't the discipline to tame just this little combination of four muscles in our mouths that can get us into so much trouble. You know what James is illustrating here? We often miss this with these analogies. Let me, let me tell you what he's doing here. This is really, really important. James is helping us to understand that the tongue is disproportionately powerful. That's the point. He's saying the tongue is disproportionately powerful. It is one of the smallest members of your body but it is by far the most dangerous. Say, how is it so dangerous? Because it can detour the direction of your life. Again, we often think about what we do. We are an action-oriented society. We don't think enough about what we say and how what we say impacts where we go in life. You you wonder if that's true? Uh, Let me give you an example that proves it, all right? I have four teenagers in my house. (laughs) Ain't nobody offering to trade me places in life. Four teenagers in my house. Now, hypothetically, if I were to ever discipline one of these teenagers, which I never have to, 
Isn't it true, those of you who are parents, that when you discipline your teenager, for an example, okay, when, you, when, when your teenager talks back to you, they say something that's wrong, disrespectful, horrible, you don't just send their mouth into their rooms. You don't just ground the mouth. Your mouth is grounded for a week. Now you can go to the party on Friday night and you can go to the ball game and you can do whatever you wanna do, but your mouth stays home. Or you can go and do whatever you wanna do, but you cannot talk when you get there. You don't just ground the mouth. What do you ground? The whole body. The whole body. You start venting at work and you run off a string of emails that, that you shouldn't have hit send on. When, when your boss comes into the room with a pink slip, he doesn't pink slip your mouth, he pink slips your whole body. You say, can my words really impact the trajectory of my life, my relationships, my career, my family? Yes, that's what James is saying. The tongue is disproportionately powerful. And it doesn't just impact conversations. It impacts literally the entire trajectory of your life, of your family, of your career, your relationships, your life. And so the tongue can detour your direction. James makes that clear. Secondly, check, check this out. It can ruin your reputation. It impacts the whole direction of your life, but it also ruins your reputation. It can ruin that. It can destroy that. James says, remember, the tongue here is a small thing that makes grand speeches. It's just a tiny spark that can set a great forest on fire. And he says here, it's like a whole world of wickedness. It corrupts the entire body and it can set your whole life on fire. Word corrupt there is like the word rotten. You know what I think of when I think of rotten? I think of a carton of milk that's a day after the expiration date. Is there anything more paralyzing in all of the world than opening up the refrigerator and seeing that your carton of milk is one day past? Do I drink it? Don't I drink it? I start smelling it because I've seen other people smell it. I don't know what it's supposed to smell like. And then, you know, we got the Captain Crunch with the Crunch Berries. I think, hey, it's totally worth the risk. I'm all in. <laughs> Rotten, corrupt, spoiled. It's the idea here. Look what James is saying. Yes, it can detour your direction, the trajectory of your life, but can also ruin your reputation, your testimony. Totally just ruin your reputation. You can build it over the course of many years and you can destroy it with one simple word, phrase, or sentence. You realize that, I mean, I could say something today that could completely ruin my reputation forever. It's the power of words. That's literally the power of words. I, I mean, all of us have this potential, right? To stand in front of people and say something that literally would cause them to see you differently for the rest of your life. I mean, I can imagine you come in here next week and somebody come up on stage, say, y'all remember that Pastor Corey guy? <laughs> You know why he's not here today. That YouTube video's got 4 million views now. <laughs> Listen, you have the power right now to stand up right where you are and start yelling some horrific things and change the way people see you forever. And also earn yourself a wonderful, friendly escort out of the worship center today. Some wonderful people who would take you to your car. <laughs> right, I mean... 
Think about the, the power of our words. You, you can absolutely ruin your reputation. That's what James helps understand. First of all, it detours your direction. It ruins your reputation. Proverbs 10 and verse 19. Remember, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but it's, it's a helpful reminder. Too much talk leads to sin, so be sensible and keep your mouth shut. I reminded you when I first shared this with you. No, yes, this is in the Bible. This is a signal 30 kind of statement. It's a shock and all. Just keep your mouth shut. Proverbs 18, 21. Remember, this was what we started this whole series with. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue can bring death or life. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And these are helpful words. So the tongue, James helps us to understand, can detour your direction. It can ruin your reputation. And finally, goes without saying almost here, but the tongue can ruin your relationships. Can ruin your relationships. That's where James concludes here. Like, you know, you can tame animals and all that. He kind of, you know, wraps all that up in terms of that analogy. But then he says, says that tongue is full of poison. And then, and then he, he concludes with this. He, he, he says, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. Literally, at one moment, we can use it to praise the God who created and saved us. And the next moment, we can absolutely speak and destroy someone else. Same tongue, same mouth. <laughs> it says, on the one hand, you can praise your Lord and Father. And on the other hand, you can, you can curse someone made in his image. He says it should not be. So that's not right. He says, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. In other words, he's saying it shouldn't be the case. And you know what I love about James's instruction here? That's just how he ends. He just drops the mic, walks off. It's signal 30. What is he doing? He's showing us the carnage of our words. He's saying, you ought to be so fearful of saying something that can detour your direction, ruin your reputation, or ruin your relationships, that you're a whole lot more careful. That's it, he just ends. He drops the mic, he's on to something else. It's a helpful reminder that our tongue can detour our direction, ruin our relationships, and, and our reputations. And, and it's just a reminder on the relationship piece as we think about praising God and cursing others, that, 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 that word spoken to us and about us and the words that we use of others, you know, they have tremendous consequences. Let me just give you one more quick takeaway here as we close out this series. I just wanna remind you about the power of words in our relationships. First of all, let me just remind you that our words, the words that we speak, they're not weighted the same. The words are not weighted the same. James saying, we, we praise God and then we curse others. We gossip about others. We slander others. We tear others down. Man, that's powerful. You know, you know why that's powerful? Because we always tend to think of and meditate on the negatives more than the positives. You realize words are not weighted the same? It seems like the negatives always stand out far more than the positives. Those, those negative, hurtful words have tremendous lasting implications. Secondly, I remind you of this, that the sources of our words are not weighted the same. You know, when someone says something to you or about you that you don't know, you know what typically follows? You don't really care. It's a lot easier to shrug off the words of someone who you've never met, you don't know, they don't know you. You know, you can let that go. But, but the words of someone close to you, the words of a spouse, the words of a parent, the words of a child, the words of a, an employer, the words of a, of a coworker, the words of a friend, you know what? Those words have tremendous impact. 
because words are not weighted the same. We typically think of the negatives more than the positives and the sources of these words are not weighted the same. No, those who are closest to us have the opportunity to hurt us the deepest. And then finally, the recovery time for words, the words that we use and the hurtful words that we use, guess what? It's not weighted the same either. Words themselves are not weighted the same. No, the sources of them are not weighted the same. And then the recovery time is not weighted the same. Now, listen, if you're married, you need to figure this out quickly. And you know what you need to learn, all of us who are married, you know, if you haven't learned it yet? You may say something to your spouse that is so deeply hurtful that I'm sorry doesn't bring you back to even immediately. You may sincerely be sorry for something you said, but guess what? There needs to be a little bit more recovery time built in there because the wound is so deep. It's often the case that you've got one person ready to reconcile and the other person just needing a little bit more time to heal. You see, the recovery time for the words that we use is not way the same. That's what I'm trying to say. These words are powerful. They can have lasting implications and consequences. And just saying, I'm sorry, or, hey, I messed up, or I didn't mean to hit send, you know what? That doesn't always bring you back to even immediately. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Because words are powerful. Words have lasting consequences. They can detour the direction of our lives. They, they, they can ruin our reputations and our, our, our testimonies and they can ruin our relationships. Just simple words coming from the smallest member of our bodies. It's so disproportionately powerful the tongue is that these words have lasting impact. And so we need to clean it up. We need to clean it up. In order to do that, we, we have to go back to what James highlights here at the end of his teaching that, you know what, it really goes back to the source of the water, if you will. Say, hey, you can't get fresh water from a salty spring. You know why we have salty words? Because we have a salty spring running deep within us. And the only way that we can get to a point where our words are like fresh water, they're pure, they're holy, they're honoring to the Lord and encouraging to others. The only way we get there is to change that source of the spring. Because you know, if we go back to our grandparents, our great, 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 great grandparents called Adam and Eve, you know what? When they sinned against God and they plunged humanity into a state of sin and, and a state of rebellion and a state of, of, of despair, you know what we find shortly after their sinful actions, we find sinful words, making excuses, covering their tracks, blaming others. And the solution for Adam and Eve is a solution for you and me. You, you know what we need? We, we need a change of hearts. That, that, that salt water has to be purified and turned into fresh water. And the only way that can happen is by God's help and God's enabling. And so as we wrap up this series, I just wanna encourage you, listen, every single one of us, as long as we have breath in our lungs, are gonna have to prayerfully consider the use of our words. To use them to build up, to hush up a little more, <laughs> to speak up, wisely and graciously when it's appropriate and then to clean up literally the whole entire trajectory of our lives. And for that to happen, we just have to ask for God's help to change our hearts. Remember what Jesus says. I remind you this one last time as we wrap up our series here, that a tree is identified by its fruit. And if the tree is good, its fruit will be good. If the tree is bad, the fruit will be bad. Substitute words there. Look at someone's life. If the words are bad, <laughs> The tree is bad. The root is bad. <laughs> the words are good. The root is good. And so Jesus says this to his, those who were opposing him. He says, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you 
speak what is good and right. You can't. And for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Some translates it out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so listen, as we wrap up this series, I, here, here's, my, here's my goal for you. Let me, just, let me just put this out there, all right? Here's my goal for you. My goal for you and for me is not that we use better, less hurtful words on our way to hell. So that we kneel before Jesus one day and we say, hey, Jesus, I cleaned up my words like the pastor said, you're gonna let me into heaven. That won't get you into heaven. (laughs) Because you can't clean up your words and thus clean up your life just by trying a little harder and having a little more moral aptitude. You know what the only hope is for you and for me in terms of our words and then our trajectory is, is to recognize that we need a change of the source of the water and the words that we speak because that source is the heart. And the only way that you can ever get that right is by coming to God through the shed blood of Jesus, his son that he shed, uh, gave to us to shed his blood for our sins. And, and through Jesus in relationship with Jesus and by daily walking with Jesus to allow him to save you, to empower you, to fill you with his spirit, his wisdom, his grace, so that that's emulated and passed on. Because when the root is good, the fruit will be good but you gotta have the right root in you. And so don't think of this as a moral exercise where, hey, I'm just gonna try harder this week. No, 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 no. This is a spiritual discipline where it's first and foremost, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus personally, today that's your starting point, to ask him into your heart and into your life, to save you of all of your sin, to change your heart, and then to move forward in such a way to where you clean up your words and clean up your life. And if you're a Christ follower already, this is a spiritual area of warfare where, hey, all of us in this day and age, listen, we gotta be on our knees. We gotta be in the word. We have to be mindful of, of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit to allow, to enable God to use us and our words to, 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 to set our lives on a trajectory that be glorifying to him. And so this is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual warfare that all of us are a part of. And we wanna encourage you to honor God in that.